When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Talk is about to begin. Hey, 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 come on in. Welcome back to your Monday Buckeye Talk from Cleveland.com. Doug Maurice and Stephen Means. We're talking basketball, but before you turn off the podcast, we're going to talk about this basketball team, but the real issue is this basketball program. And I do think, even if you not, are not a huge fan of Ohio State basketball, where the Ohio State basketball program fits into the athletic department, where it fits in compared to football, how much Ohio State should or does care about basketball, how much the fans should or do care about basketball. I do think there's a lot there, and I think you can learn things about your athletic program through a discussion like this. So I understand there are some of you who this is just not your thing, and I can't make you stay. I wouldn't want to make you stay. We should entice you to stay. That's how you get through life, Stephen. You can't make people do something. You have to encourage people to do something. And I will say we have a very interesting survey from our tech subscribers. At the moment, there is a bit of an issue with getting people excited about Ohio State basketball. So I think we're losing part of our audience even who cares about basketball because they're like, oops, they stink, I'm out. Which, frankly, is one of the issues we're going to talk about. But I get it. Like, this ain't fun, man. This is not fun right now. No, because it's like basketball is supposed to be this cool little thing that gets you away from the stresses that can sometimes, well, that can always be the Ohio State football season, regardless of how it ends. And it feels like instead of being that kind of getaway, it's it's like you went on vacation and then you're vac- it rained your entire vacation. They lost your luggage. Both of your flights got delayed. They actually gave you the worst hotel room in the hotel, and it looks nothing like the picture. It's been the polar opposite of that. So if you've had an attitude because – the football team lost to Michigan and didn't win a national championship. Then you've got an even bigger attitude now because this team that you rarely care about, you got, you got convinced to care about it. And it's like, so this is what I signed up for. Really? I'm never listening to you guys again when it comes to suggestions. I think that's a really good comparison. I do feel like for a lot of Ohio state football people, for a lot of Ohio state fans, football is home. Football is home. You can't escape it. You don't want to escape it. It's your life. It's your house, it's your family, it's your neighbors, it's your it's who you are. And basketball is a vacation. So if it's fun, great. You want to hear about it. You want to, you want your neighbors to come over. Hey, I want to show you slides of my vacation. But if you went on vacation 
and you just went on vacation to Chili's, you know, Chili's is great when you're home. But if it's your vacation, you're like, well, I don't know. Why do I want to talk about that? And that's Buckeye Talk. Steven solved it. Football is life. Basketball is vacation. And on this vacation, it's raining. And Chris Holtman forgot the umbrellas. I do like that is where we are. And people from Jason and the 419 feel like this. Hey, guys, love the pod and the text. They're awesome. Great value. Buckeye basketball is so uninteresting that I forgot the last two games were even on. How many passionate mm-hmm. Buckeye fans are like me? Worn out by the same excuse of wait until these freshmen develop. They'll be solid next year. Then each offseason, the best players go pro. Malachi Branham expecting Bryce Sensabaugh to do the same. Or they transfer out. So we get two or three average at best grad transfers for a year, and we hear the same thing all over again. Or they simply have lost interest and don't even follow because we are on our track to nowhere and no postseason. I think a good amount fit that bill. Is there any realistic hope that another year of recruits and potential for the other three freshmen getting better that we may compete in the top three of the Big Ten down the road. Matt Painter is winning with freshmen and a post player. We simply don't look like a program on the same path. Thanks and looking forward to the pod. That's Jason on the 419. I do think the idea of this coach and this team has caused people to give up on this program, I think is a real issue right now, Stephen. It's one of the things because this is supposed to be fun. And whatever this is, it's not fun right now. Does anyone in the fan base truly care that much? This is from the 813. I am trying not to be sarcastic, but it feels like most fans are more concerned with spring football practice than with whatever happens with the basketball team. I think most hope they do well, but if they don't, then fans just shrug it off and focus back on football. I think we can talk about that, Stephen. And then I think we can also talk about this. This is where I kind of want to start before we get into the team and rotations and guys' expectations and how players are playing. I will begin to care about the basketball team when the university cares about the basketball team. That's from the 419. I don't want to get bogged down. So point of information, Gene Smith this week gave a vote of confidence to Chris Holtman uh, when asked by Adam Jardy of the Columbus Dispatch about that. He said he has confidence in Chris Holtman. He's our coach of the future. So I don't want to get bogged down in that yet. I don't want to get bogged down in Chris Holtman contract details yet. But Stephen, How much do you think Gene Smith, the Ohio State Athletic Department, the Ohio State University cares about basketball? Do you agree with this texter's assertion, like, I'm not going to care because I don't think the university cares? I understand how they came to that conclusion. I don't think it's that drastic. I do think that the way I would put it is, why would I have high expectations and high standards for an Ohio State basketball team if it doesn't feel like the administration has those same high expectations and standards? And this goes back to even a year ago when Gene Smith got asked when we typically get him in the spring, basically right ahead of the NCAA tournament in between that and when spring football is about to take off. He got asked about basketball, and he was pretty happy. He voiced some of those same things. And really, since I've been on the speed, he's voiced some of those same things every single year. He's happy with what Chris Holtman's doing. He loves how he teaches. He loves how where the recruiting is headed. He's, he loves where the program is headed at. He said that every single year. And whether you agreed with it or not, there was at least some level of validity in it because Holtman had gone, the Hawks had been to the NCAA tournament every single year, even if they kept capping off at the second round of the NCAA tournament. And it, but it felt like the question wasn't so much, is this Ohio State basketball team doing, is it meeting the standard? 
then it kind of last year changed and, and went to is the standard high enough? It should we be okay with second round exit or number two seed and you lose in the first round to a 15? Should we be okay with these things? Because it seems like the administration is okay with those things while the fan base is not. So I think when you say the university doesn't care, if you say that as a fan, to me, that's a resources question. And that's, mm-hmm. hey, we don't even have a good practice gym. That's, hey, you know, we, I as a coach don't have the money or the facilities to win in a way that I think we should be able to win. You're preventing me. I don't think that's the case here at all, right? It's, this is a night, they, they build up those practice gyms on the back of the Schottenstein Center. That was during the Thad Mata era. You know, they used to practice like in the, on the court a lot. Like they built these whole mm-hmm. new set of practices. Do. I don't, I don't think they are falling behind in the facilities race. I certainly have not. Do you have any impression of that, Stephen? Is there anything that Chris Holtman is lacking in terms of resources provided by the university? No, um, it's pretty state of the art facilities, almost over the top for a team where basketball isn't first. I mean, they play in an NBA arena. <laughs> like how many? I mean, Duke and North Carolina don't even play in arenas of that caliber. So resources are fine. That's not the issue here. And we also we can have a conversation about is it is it a static? Is it a stale arena? Would it be better if it felt more like a, a basketball gym? But yeah. it is what it is, and they you know that is. That is not an excuse for being three and nine. And that's an old conversation. I don't think this, the idea that the university doesn't care, I think I don't agree with that assertion. And it's still their second, it's football makes all the money, but basketball should make the next most money. It's the only other Mm -hmm. thing you make money on. So it is, this is a gigantic athletic department with 36 sports. Like, yes, football supports like almost everything. Basketball should carry a little bit of the weight. So I do think they care. I I don't, I have a particular view about Gene Smith and Chris Holtman that I will save for later in the podcast, but I don't agree with the assertion that they don't care. So I, I, I wanted to get that out there. Let's, there's two more things that we have to talk about, Stephen, as it relates to sort of things that are percolating when you think about Ohio State basketball right now. And one is next year's recruiting class. Will next year's recruiting class ranking be impacted by Holtman's future? So this is supposed to be, this was a good class this year. This is supposed to be mm-hmm. another good class next year, right? So the thing I want to know about these two, these two things about the class to come, A, could any uncertainty about Chris Holtman's future cause anybody in that class to decommit? Or... Is that a reason to cre- keep Chris Holtman around because this is two good back-to-back classes and you want to see what he can do when Bruce Thornton and, and, and the current freshmen are sophomores and when this incoming, cl- incoming class are freshmen? Like, how should that recruiting class affect Chris Holtman's status? Well, I mean, recruiting classes always maybe give you – extra years than you deserve sometimes. So from a standpoint of concern, they're already signed. Technically the basketball signing day is in the fall. So he would oh, actually yeah. have, he would actually have to lose his job for them to be let out of these um, national letters and intent unless something crazy happened, obviously. So yep. like, that's not even a conversation of, Hey, is anybody thinking about decommitting? Cause well, they can't, they already signed pieces of paper, but 
the, 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 the sentiment of the question still stands. It's a reason to, to have optimism. As long as the recruiting, and that's football, basketball, that's any sport. As long as the recruiting is still at a certain level, there's always a reason to have optimism that better days might be ahead. So if, if that's, I don't think that's the only thing he's holding on here, but it is something in the pocket of why Holtman should keep his job. If that's the conversation we're having here of pros and cons of, of Holtman keeping this job versus moving on from him. Four players in the incoming recruiting class, three of them top 50 national mm-hmm. players. And only one of them is playing high school basketball in Ohio. So Tayson Chapman is from Minneapolis. He's the number 36 mm-hmm. overall player. Scotty Middleton from Kansas is the number 43 overall player. Devin Royal from Pickering Central is the number 49 overall player. Do you expect, and then they have another guy. Do you expect that class? I mean, he's like in the 170s. He's I, I, know, I, know, I know, I know, I know, I know. Austin Parks. No offense to Austin Parks. 171. He's a center, which we have a lot of questions about centers. So what what this group, there's four freshmen who are playing right now, who are playing real minutes for this team. Roddy Gale Jr., Bruce Thornton, Felix Arpara, and Bryce Sensabaugh. And everybody thinks Bryce Sensabaugh is going to go to the NBA after one year. Do you expect that next year's class should be even better and more instantly impactful than this year's freshman class? Or will it be similar? I think they needed to be more impactful because Simpson Ball is awesome. Bruce Thornton has had his moments, and it looks like he's getting past that freshman wall he hit. But you know, Roddy Gale and 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 Isaac, they have Felix Apora haven't necessarily been as impactful as maybe you would like for some people rated that high. But some people it takes that next year, so maybe they take that step next year. They need those three top fifty guys to hit. Because what you don't want to run into is what we're seeing this season, where we are they are kind of relying way too heavily on the graduate transfers who are older players who they are what they are. Because you, I think I said this when we when we did the preview pod. Ideally, we're at the point in the season where the freshmen start taking off, and if they get three of them to take off, that's a good thing. Two is probably the expectation because of what Bryson Zabar brought to the table and Bruce Thornton just being a point guard. If they get three of those two freshmen to get to this point in the season and it's take off for them, that's a really good thing for Ohio State. That hasn't really happened along with a few other things, but it's put Ohio State in situations where even the Michigan game they played on Sunday – Bryce Sensabaugh came off the bench because Holtman's trying to figure out things. He's had to bring Justice Suing off the bench. He's had to, you know, rely on Isaac Likely a lot more than he maybe should have. You know, Sean McNeil, these older guys who were supposed who were supposed to be the keep us afloat to the young guys come along. Well, we're in the February and we still it still feels like, hey, older guys, can you keep us afloat? Because all the young guys aren't necessarily ready yet. All right, last question about some percolating things. From the 412, this team needs Bronny now more than ever. This is LeBron <laughs> James Jr. I don't know how you could look at this team and think that they don't need a spark. They need the fans to care. They need interest in the worst way. This team stinks, and the only thing that can save Holtman's job is to get Bronny here. From the 606, I understand that Bronny James is more NIL and hype than being a true great prospect. Well, I don't know if that's true. But is there a feeling that since Holtman seems to have the inside recruiting on him, that they'll have to keep him for at least another year, like keep Holtman here because of Bronny? Or would any coach be able to get Bronny based on his dad's Ohio ties? And then this is our guy, Evan in Oregon. Adding Bronny James to the Ohio State Hoops team could have helped football recruiting. 
and we completely screwed it up. The LeBron James effect has helped Ohio State in the past, and this would have made our connection to him even closer. This window to sign Bronny was so small, and of course, it's when the hoops program is collapsing. Congrats, Ohio State basketball. Yes, my hoops rant is ultimately about football. Buckeye talk. He said that. Evan in Oregon. Mm. All right. Bronny questions. Bronny. Is Bronny coming to save Ohio State basketball? And does Ohio State have to keep Chris Holtman because he is the man who will get Bronny James to come save Ohio State basketball? So Bronny James is not LeBron James. And I think that's an, it's an obvious statement, but I think it has to be said because of how those questions and those statements were preferenced. Part of the, 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 the complexity of the Bronny James recruitment, no matter whether Ohio State gets him, USC gets him, or Oregon gets him. And I'll, I'll say this. I'll be, I'll see it when I'll believe it when I see it. If that kid picks Ohio State and that's not just more because they're from Ohio and it feels good, you know, to, have LeBron James's kid considering Ohio State this late in the process. I'm, I'm, I would expect it to be USC or Oregon, maybe Oregon and USC in that order, just because of some things on both sides of the table. It's not just a Bronny dis- discussion. It's an Ohio State discussion. Do they actually have room for a guy who, let's just take away the name for a minute. He's a four star recruit, the number 33 player and the number nine combo guard in the country. If we were just talking about that description, I don't think we're having this conversation, but his name is Bronny James. So of course we have to have the discussion. Wait, wait, wait. They don't have room three and nine in the big 10. Ohio state doesn't have room for the 33rd ranked player in the country. No, they don't. They might no. right now as it stands, they're not expecting to have room to add any more players. Wait until everybody transfers out. People (laughs) leave every year. People are going to leave. Hey, if, if Ohio State doesn't know that right now, let me be yeah. the first to tell them. People are going to leave because they always leave. So Bryce Sensabaugh yeah. is going to go to the NBA, and then probably somebody that you want to stay is going to leave. And then you're going to have to go get somebody else who's the fifth best player on the 12th best team in some Power 5 league, and everyone's going to be impressed. Oh, well, they got the fifth best player on the 12th best team. He's going to become stable Ohio State. They got room. Now, as I previously stated, I have – Many, many questions about the ability of Ohio State to handle everything that getting Bronny James would encompass. And I have huge doubts that what this really, because your dad's from Ohio. What? Come on. Because your dad's from Ohio. You know, that three and nine Big Ten team, I'll tell you what. They look terrible, but my dad is from Ohio. Well, that's true. Ohio ties. They, they would take him. <laughs> He's the 30. Now, the one thing is like we're saying like, hey, he's not LeBron James. He's also not a top. He's not like the 300th best prospect, right? Mm. Yes. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. There's somewhere in the middle where he lies. I don't know if they would take him because as you stated, when we actually brought this question up a couple months ago, there's a lot that's going to come with a guy who I'm not sure Bronny James is a one and done talent. And it's very obvious that LeBron, I, I, no, I can just speak on this. From what I've been told, when Bronny James came on that visit and him and LeBron were all at the Notre Dame game and they took the photos and did all that fun stuff, the conversation was, we trying to get our kid to the NBA as quickly as possible. And I am not sure, because why? Because LeBron wants to play with his kid because it's the cool thing to do. And he has been saying it for five, six, seven years now that he wants to play with his oldest child. And he's not even hiding it anymore. He's throwing it out there every time he gets a chance to. 
I am not sure Bronny James is a one-and-done talent. That has been the evaluation on him. It is not that he's not an NBA player, but everybody's not a one-and-done talent. And But because he's LeBron James's son who was trying to make the one-and-done talent, it's an extra layer you have to deal with because now as a coach you're wondering, he might not be a one-and-done talent. He might not be a day-one starter. And do you really want to be the coach that has LeBron James's son coming off the bench when LeBron James is trying to play with his son and he's already four, 39 years old? Completely agree. You said if he wasn't LeBronny James – and he was just any guy who was the 33rd player in the country, they still wouldn't want him. No, I am completely – that's what you said. No, no, you said it does, uh, if his name wasn't Bronny James, they still probably wouldn't have room for this, him. I'm but saying the they would, but they can't handle it. They can't handle the James. Yeah, but the, I don't know. You what want the, the James. Just, you can't handle yeah. the James. They cannot handle <laughs> the James. To be fair, I don't know – I'm going to be interested to see what university actually gets him and handles this because that is a lot to deal with. What I meant by that is the number 33 player in the country is not the solution for what's happening right now. That he's not that type of, if we're talking about the number three player in the country, then it's like, oh yeah, they need to get this guy because this guy's going to flip it all around. They're going to go from under 500, not even qualifying for the NIT to be in the final four next year. But that's not at, I don't, that's not what Bronny James is right now. His, that's not the evaluation on him right now. And that's why, uh, that's why I say that he might not be a take, but he, more importantly, what I'm saying is the la, the name is why anybody is saying we need Bronny James more than ever because n- there's no other situation where we're going, we need the number 33 player in the country because that's the guy what? who's going to turn this all around. But what are you talking about? They don't have, we're just talking about how great this incoming recruiting class is. They don't have anybody ranked as high as 33. Their top ranked recruit three, is 36. Yeah, it's three spots lower. It's not like you're saying that where but they've got the number. Like they're too good for Bronny James. I'm telling you, he's no, the I'm highest say- player in this class. He would be. No, I'm saying that he is not the end-all, be-all answer at number 33 the same way he would be at 3 or 13. Okay. We're talking circles. But, okay. Bronny James, in conclusion... Probably not coming to Ohio State. He's not coming, and he's not the savior. No, not. Yes, this is, this is not. This is not a one Bronny James away. Oh, what? Yes, what do you? We're just. What are we? We're just. It's like does one Will LeBron Chamberlain win. have a great grant? Well, I bet Will Chamberlain does have some great. He probably does around out there. Go yeah. look for one of them because they'd be a center at least. <laughs> hey, uh, we heard your great grandma, Mina. You know, might have known, known Will Chamberlain. Wilt. <laughs> Did she know Wilt? How tall are you? We have you ever met your great? Over- have you ever met your grandfather? Okay, cool, 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 cool. Sex off. We one. would like someone over six nine. If you yeah. have some Wilt DNA, we are interested. Okay, we're going to talk about this team. Then we're going to talk about this program. We're going to do it next on Buckeye Talk. All right, Steven, this team, this team, we have lots of rants. From the 509, how does a team start so good and end up looking like this in February? Aren't you supposed to learn and improve as the season goes? I don't know if this is a coaching problem or a player chemistry problem. They're not even competing anymore. I'll give Holtman a pass this year, but if they stink bad this bad next year with back-to-back good recruiting classes, it might be time to do a coaching search. This idea, Stephen, and and I got to find, there's another text about it. Are you surprised 
normally this is a time when they start coming around a little bit. What, what do you yeah. think of the idea? They hit January lulls, but now we're two like two weeks past the January lull. What do you think of the idea that they are playing this poorly, kind of this deep, 12 games in to a 20-game Big Ten season? So coaches often, when they yell out their player, this is the concept they use. It's don't shovel the you-know-what. And this team has been shoveling the you-know-what since the turn of the calendar. They are not playing good basketball. And early on, when you see some of this stuff, it's like, oh, okay, they're young. They'll figure it out. And they're even providing optimism because of the way they played against San Diego State and, you know, beating Texas Tech and competing with Duke, competing with North Carolina, where that North Carolina game was basically, oh, we're young and we blew it. Even the Purdue game, it's like, man, that's a really good loss. You lost by two points, and you really lost it at the end because you made a couple of mental errors. But, okay, you can see this team coming along. But it felt like since that Purdue game, they the bad basketball increased, which that's a combination of young players who have built bad habits and they have not been coached out of that. One been coached out of those bad habits, and if they are being coached out of those bad habits, they're still not getting rid of them. Like, I'll use Bryson some ball as an example. He is a very talented scorer. That's where the conversation ends with him. Defensively, he has – I remember the first time I, I watched him play, I was like, oh, defensively, it's just, like, not there. He has no idea. Unless the ball is in his hands and you tell him to go take this ball and put it in a basket, he is very lost out there. And it's the, he, is a, he is a prime difference of what the NBA and the NFL are in terms of the NBA, they pay you off of what you might be while the NFL pays you off of what you can do for them right now, which is if he was a football player, I think his equivalent might be Zach Harrison after his junior year, where you can see it and he probably gets drafted, but he clearly hasn't like, maxed out what he can be as a player or maybe he never gets to that level we thought he was going to be but because he's a basketball player we're discussing whether or not he's going to be back next year when he probably could benefit from another year of college basketball to learn how to play basketball because he has no idea how to do it and the conversation doesn't end with him Felix O'Parle's just got to get bigger he's he's tall so he's got the height and he's got the length but he just can't bang and Hunter Dickinson he's supposed to be able to that's why they got him for guys like Hunter Dickinson, and I mean nobody can guard Zach. He's seven six, seven four, seven foot four. But he's supposed to be able to make things tough for them, and he can't do it right now because he's eighteen years old. So he just needs physical growth. But Roddy Gale and, and, and on down that list, those are young guys though. So you kind of live with that stuff. I think Holtman just when you when you have this many young guys, you want to pair it with old guys, but these old guys don't mix. Sean McNeil is a better version of Justin Arns, but that isn't saying much. Everyone got mad when I called him Musket Justin. Everyone got mad because it's from West <laughs> Virginia. But, I mean, come on, man. So, you know, not trying yeah, to hurt people's feelings here, but come on. This is a bad mixture of a roster. And, yeah, it's a very bad mixture of a roster, and the worst possible outcome is showing because of it. This is the other text I was looking for from the 419. Haven't looked up the records, but it feels like every Holtman team is good in November, December, then has a really bad January, then gets better toward the end of the year. This team had the bad January, but is still regressing with no end in sight. That's the point we're trying to make here. This team is too talented to be this bad. I like Holtman, but during today's game on Sunday, I found myself wishing Gene would go after Jay Wright to coach Ohio State next year, the retired Villanova coach who just happened to be calling the game. 
on Sunday. We have another text about that that we'll get to uh, in a little bit. Ohio State is soft and has no leadership. It also seems like roster management has been a disaster with Holtman with numerous, numerous transfers in and out. Maybe that's the name of the game these days, but it looks like it's finally caught up with them. This team looks more like a collection of basketball players than a basketball mm. team from the 419. I, th- I think that is well said. And Stephen, that's kind of a lot of, of the stuff that you were just saying. Um, mm-hmm. There's another thing here that I want to get to that, that you're relating, uh, talking about with Felix here. From the 419, I actually have a mini rant off this rant. This is a basketball rant. This offense generates less rhythm than Doug rocking out to a Disney song as the parade goes by. I assume Doug can't dance based on prior pods. I would like to take 15 minutes here and defend my dancing. All right, I'll take 15 seconds. I think for a middle-aged white guy, I'm actually a pretty good dancer. I would say I am an above-average dancer among all humans, but I think for a nearly 50-year-old white man, I think I can get down. And there is an 80s band that I like that I've heard a couple times, and they were playing at a bar up the street from me last weekend. And I went by myself because my wife couldn't go. And I stood up right next to the speaker, and I danced like a lunatic for three hours to 80s songs. So I would just like to say I do think that I probably am a better dancer than Ohio State plays offense right now. We'll continue. (laughs) I'm going to punch myself in the temple if I watch another guard penetrate to the block, pick up their dribble, and start pivoting around erratically. This is is some problems with the offense. Also, as a quick rant, I highly doubt there are no centers interested in Ohio State. Clearly, Holtman is not interested in centers, which is another scheme failure. It's just bad all around, and I'm excited for a different coach. So I want to focus on that no centers idea first. Stephen from the three three zero. How on God's green earth can we never have a center over six six? Come on, this is big time basketball, and we are playing it with undersized, underskilled players who can't galvanize together. It's like watching two separate marching bands take the field at the same time. They might be good individually, but together, whew, what a mess! Centers: Zed Key, Felix Opara are winding up trying to guard Zach Eady and Hunter Dickinson and other big guys in the Big Ten. This feels like it has been an ongoing issue. Why and how much is it hurting them to not have a guy who can really bang with the best centers in the Big Ten? I don't think it's hurting them as much now as it was two years ago when we started this conversation, just because basketball is ever changing. Um, but also, Zach Eady and Hunter Dickinson, are, there's not a lot of seven footers walking around here. So the idea of, hey, just go find our seven footer, that's not always on the table. Even the, I'm looking at their offer list right now for the last two classes with centers. They well, they lost out on the kid Xavier Booker, who's going to Michigan State. He's six ten. The guy they're getting, Austin Parks, is six foot nine. But all, so maybe they, maybe you fight with Michigan State to get the number eight player in the country. But Michigan State Tom Izzo is still Izzo. And then you look at the next classes, this up and coming 2024 class. They've offered six centers, and they're six ten, six nine, six nine, six nine, six ten, six ten, six nine. So it's just, I mean, I don't want to. I think you can only go so far with the shame on you for not having a human being that is also very rare walking around the planet. But and they also don't play to a center. That's part of the thing here. Michigan plays to Hunter Dickinson first. Purdue has historically under Painter played through big men. Ohio State hasn't really played through a big man since Caleb Wesson left. That used to be the way they played when they got Greg Oden. They had a B.J. Mullins and they had Jared Sullinger, but they've gradually become a more perimeter-oriented team. So I get it. 
Ohio State needs to go find big men and, and have guys who can compete with those guys. But because of the way this team is run and the way that this team approaches basketball, I would be more concerned if they weren't getting wings and point guards who were top 50 recruits. But do you think it hurts them? So it's like, okay, well, it's just Purdue and Michigan. Well, that's two really good teams in the Big Ten that Ohio State should be competing, I think, at that level. Do you think it hurts them or not? If it's like, so whether it's a style choice or forced upon them because they can't get those guys to come here, do you think in the end there are, you know, a lot of nights, a decent number of nights in Big Ten basketball where Ohio State size hurts them or no? No, I, I don't okay. think that's the case. They're, they're 30th in the country in total rebounds per game while their opponents are 52 combined together. It's really just those two opponents. And even then, Zedke being undersized, I think he's held his own at moments against both of those guys. I don't think it's as big of a deal as we make it sometimes just because we see what Hunter Dickinson and Zach Eady are doing. All right, so, Stephen, this, this roster construction idea – Keep taking desperation transfers who are below average players. Need to stop with that from the four four zero. I I do think, I mean, I, and and I get a little tired of it, frankly, because I feel like I mean everybody. I get it. The coach is going to be like, hey, whatever. But they, I think, sell people a bill of goods. And the idea that the right the three transfers are Isaac mm-hmm. Likely, Anner Holden, and Sean McNeil. Mm-hmm. Right? Am I missing anybody? Those are the three new transfers this year that are supposed to. Yep, solved everybody's problems and Tanner Holden was good at Wright State and it's like oh hey Tanner Holden and then they try to make something like a big deal it's like he's out of the rotation now it's like what do you what do you think like what how do you think this is supposed to work right I mean again that Isaac Likely and Sean McNeil had roles at like below average teams I don't like I, I and I understand Stephen that um this is part of college basketball now. We get it. They didn't want Malachi Branham to go to the NBA. Malachi Branham did go to the NBA, so now they have to go get some guys. They had a couple guys leave. I understand that. But I think the level, and I don't, I mean, Justin Suing is just like a four. He's like a fourth option to me. And they, to me, have sold him mm-hmm. as a two or a three since he got here. And it's not about the players. It's about the roles and the the burden that this team is expecting them to play and forcing them to carry when they bring them in here. And I think they wind up elevating all these transfers to a higher level of expectation than they should. And I think we see that the, the results of that right now, Stephen, but I am really tired of the bill of goods in the offseason. Like, can we please be real? about this stuff. I am not surprised what the transfers are doing, but it sure not doesn't match up with the way these guys were selling them when they got in here. So like, what, what are we to make? We talk about the transfer portal so much with football. What are we to make? It's more important in basketball. What are we to make of the way Ohio state basketball has used the transfer portal? I don't have a problem with the likely and McNeil transfers because you brought them in here and said, you saw what you were doing at the school you're at come do the exact same here. We don't want any more. We don't want any less. That was the sales pitch with those two guys because you still need a shooter on the court and you also need a guy who is kind of like a Draymond Greenish, Jay Sean Tate. kind of a jack of all trades, master of none, does a little bit of everything, but it's not a guy who demands the ball because you're expecting that ball to be in Bryce Sensen ball and Bruce Thornton and Roddy Gale's hands. I don't want to say that Tanner Holden and Justice Sewing are misses at transfers 
because that's not the right way to put it. I think they're bad shots. That shit, because you're right. They have sold Justice Suing us on this idea that Justice Suing is probably your second best player when more than more importantly, if he's your fourth or third best player, it's probably a really good basketball team. Cause you remember the year they were number two that had the number two seats. He was the third best player behind Dwayne Washington Jr. and EJ Liddell. That's a great spot for him to be in because you're not asking for him to bring it every single night. You're asking him to do this, this night, this, this night, but don't worry about being the dude because we've got two dudes who can do that. Even last year, there was going to come a point where Malachi Brennan was going to turn into Malachi Brennan, so he was going to be their third best player. That's fine because now you're relying on EJ Liddell and Malachi Brennan to be your dudes, and your third best guy is a little bit of everything. This year, he had to start out the year being the dude, which he never should have been put in, and now he's your number two. And more importantly, Zed Key is also like a number two. They're like number two A and number two B, and they should never be in those two positions. But that's a... I don't want to say it's a lack of development, but you took a guy trying to make him more than what he was. He's a third option at best, probably best at being your fourth option, though, if you really want to maximize him. And that's not how they've used him really the two years that he's been 100% healthy to play for this team. And then with Tanner Holden, look, man, I get it. He averaged 11 points as a freshman, 16 points as a sophomore, and 20 points as a junior at Wright State in the Horizon League. That was ne- I even said it when they got him. That was never going to translate. 20 points in the Horizon League is probably five to eight points in the Big Ten. That was never going to translate. So the fact that the, the excitement is – there was almost too much excitement about getting a 20-point score from the Horizon League, thinking that he was going to take that next jump and be able to do exactly what he was doing at Wright State and doing it here. Instead, he's playing 15 minutes a night and – the most impressive thing he's done is that game winning shot at the buzzer. But other than that, he hasn't been, you know, anything close to what he was at Wright state because he was never going to be that. So why aren't they doing better in the transfer portal? If the three transfers they got this year were a defense Mm -hmm. only guy from Oklahoma state, a shooter from West Virginia, who basically doesn't do much else and an overmatched horizon league guy. Why aren't they doing better? Why aren't they getting Kansas's eighth guy and making him the two guy second guy here? Why aren't they getting guys who are stepping up from mid-majors and can handle the jump? Why aren't they better at this? Why aren't they getting higher? They are relying on it. Yeah. They are relying on it, and they're getting guys who are not capable of the roles. Because, listen, you're saying they said, hey, come here and be the exact same thing. They're playing Sean McNeil 30 minutes a night. They're playing Isaac Likely 24 minutes a night. I mean, I guess you can say only shoot and only defend, but they are leaning on these guys as absolute primary top seven rotation members, and they're both one-dimensional. So I, if they were asking them to be that, like how come they aren't shooting higher and getting better transfer portal guys? Shouldn't they be? This is Ohio State. Malachi Branham just left for the pros. Shouldn't that be a prime spot that a better quality player wants to fill? Yeah, unless I they thought that I think they thought they'd get more from the freshman at this point. So going to get the role player transfer was fine because they were going to be asked to be role players while the freshmen became stars. When that didn't happen, it makes the yo why didn't you do better than the, in the transfer portal like kind of show out a little bit more. Like to put it in football football terms, if Tanner McAllister would have been Ohio State's best defensive back last year. 
then we all have been like, why is this the best defensive back you got out of the portal? If but he he wasn't. He wasn't the best defensive back. He probably wasn't even at best he was the third defensive back. And that's because he was a starter. But even then it's like you saw the talent behind him coming. The younger talent that was supposed to come never really showed up. And we're more than halfway through the season and it doesn't happen. So it does make the transfer decisions make look a little worse than if you know, Roddy Gale had come along a little bit further, and so he had started stealing minutes away from Sean McNeil as the season went on. couple rotation questions, which I think you're leading us here to, Stephen, because it just is a little bit of an odd team of, like, old transfer, almost role players and freshmen who aren't quite ready yet, and there is practically nothing in between. Mm-hmm. I think the construction of this team, mostly transfers, freshmen, and a guy suing who was mostly hurt last year, shows in what seems like a lack of continuity and knowing how to play together. It's odd because it feels like they have more guys that are rotation-worthy than any recent Ohio State team, and yet here we are. Holtman does deserve blame for not making it work. That's a good text from the 330. Also, does likely deserve this much playing time reward Eugene Brown with more? Time for more Tanner Holden? I didn't. I don't get it. That's from the 614. When you think about this, Stephen, it feels like you're saying they're a little bit caught in between on maybe wanting to go to some younger guys, but maybe feeling like they're not ready. Like, what would you change anything about this rotation? How do you think maybe this rotation should or could change over the last eight games of Big Ten play? I think it's over now. You're three and nine and you're probably not making the tournament unless something ridiculously magical happens in March when you get to the Big Ten champion, Big Ten tournament. So start planning for the future. When you have a lost season like this, just go young. Let them make their mistakes. Let them get their reps. Let them figure it out because then that pays off next year when you're around this time because you gave Roddy Gale and Felix Apora, you know, an extra. 150 extra minutes this year that you maybe weren't didn't wouldn't have given them have to had the season gone the way you thought it should go. So I would just I'm all in on the young guys at this point because if you're going to lose lose with the young guys that you know are, com- are coming back and can benefit from these extra minutes at this point. It doesn't like the, the planning to win games. I don't think that should be a part of the equation at this point because you're not winning games. So if you're going to lose games, lose with guys who can at least gain experience. From the 513, Chris Holtman is officially a downgrade from even the bad tail end of the Mata years. No offensive system, relies on playing slow and running sets that just don't work. Every year is hero ball. Just put in the freshman and tell them to run the floor. Holtman had the benefit of the doubt for me, and he seems like such a good dude, but he's a problem now and not an answer for the future. Do you what do you think of of how they try to play? Like, is this is is that a problem offensively? Like, let me let me go. Is this the right one? From the 614, the offense just seems bland and bad, not exciting or fun. Sensabaugh is the only one worth watching, and he'll probably leave for the NBA after the year. Um, Holtman is supposed to be a point guard guy. Now he has another top 50 point guard on the team, and he's averaging 1.4 assists a game since the Northwestern win. The offense just seems boring and bad. Offensive system, Stephen, what's up? It's so crazy that we say that because according to Ken Palm, this is the 15th best offense in the country. And for most of the year, it was a top five, top 10 offense. So it's, it's a little bit of both. I think it's not as bad as it's been in years past where it feels like they're running the same set over and over again, just to get just to waste 17 seconds. to get EJ the ball. I think the beginning of the year, they started out executing very well. 
And then Bryce Simpson Ball started to play better and play like a guy who like, hmm, he might go to the NBA. And it feels like as the season has gone on, the execution has gotten worse and it's turned into Bryce Simpson Ball is going to shoot it 20 times a game, make eight of them, maybe get hot late and make a couple more of them. And hopefully somebody else comes along with the ride for him. And so because of that, I said they're 15th. At one point in the season, they were top five, they were top 10, and they're like gradually headed downward in offensive in that off- adjusted offensive efficiency because of that idea that it has turned into the Bryce Simpson ball show. I, that's coaching. Number one, that is always coaching because at some point you've got to go, dude, you can't keep shooting bad shots every night. You can't keep doing that because when it's good, it works because he's got like 20 plus points. But then there's also nights when it doesn't work and things look awful. At some point as a coach, you've got to say something to him about that. But then that's also some of that is on the player to understand and kind of just build that IQ as the season goes on. And that hasn't happened either. But that is first and foremost, they are not executing at the level they were the first 10 games of the season. And that's on coaching and that's on Holtman. And it's also on, um, Diebler, because he's our offensive coordinator. I just really don't care anymore. I stopped caring 10 or 12 games ago. I never watched them mm. from the 614. That is, there's, we're going to cover that. That is dangerous territory for a program. That is dangerous territory that an athletic director needs to hear about. From Brian on the 843, here's a rant. Lack of development, just as suing Zed Key and Eugene Brown this year. Just no on-court leadership nor skill development that makes a difference. Example, suing just disappears for entire games, and that's been the same since year one. Had to have that growth from these upperclassmen to take advantage of whatever Holtman can get with the freshmen and transfers. Same thing in past years. Liddell grew, but no one else did. Some regressed. Number two, poor offensive scheme, especially on set plays coming out of timeouts. The conversion percentage has to be horrible. They are just as likely to turn the ball over than convert. Three, poor in-game adjustments. Example, close game losses to North Carolina and Purdue. The team had no idea how to break the press. I mean, isn't that just basketball 101 or at least make an adjustment if it happens twice in the same game? So that's a list of uh, a bunch of stuff wrong that uh, a texter did not like. Here's another one that I find interesting. A lot of questions, Stephen, and rants about continuity and that kind of thing. From the 614, basketball, like football, has become more complex with the transfer portal and NIL, but everyone is dealing with the same challenges, which is we have to keep that in mind. Whatever the rules are, everybody's doing the same thing, so Mm -hmm. go by results. This team doesn't necessarily feel like they have a good team culture. Are they friends? Do they like each other? Modest teams seem to sincerely like each other and have a great culture. Holtman's teams, not so much. Failures at roster management, particularly with a complete failure to recruit big men. Zed Key is a bench energy guy and not an elite Big Ten center. He always disappears in Big Ten play. Why doesn't Tanner Holden get more minutes? So I do think, Stephen, it's one of those things where who knows? I mean, how do we know if they like each other? But if someone is watching the team and saying they play like they don't like each other, that's a problem, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, that that is an issue. I think what it is, I, I don't think it's a like thing. It's a no. They play like they don't know each other. Mm. Yep. This, they've been together for nine months. And this is not Kentucky. This is not Duke. This is not North Carolina. This is not one of those schools where you just lose half your roster every year and you pile on a bunch of new NBA guys and you just do it all over again from scratch. That's not what Ohio State is. They are a they should be a quality basketball program, but they're not that. So they can't do this. This is a old and young. 
This is a, hey, one year rental. Hey, can you help us until the guys we really want to play are healthy, are ready to do this? And some young guys is like, hey, man, you're our future. So show up and show up fast. Hurry up. Can we get to January where you guys are good finally? And that's a, it's a weird mixture for a program at Ohio State's level that shouldn't be building its program like that. But sometimes it happens. Sometimes maybe every three or four years when you're pressing the reset button, you get to seasons like this. And most, sometimes you overcome it. Sometimes you don't. Ohio State's not overcoming it, but they don't know each other. Isaiah likely got, Isaac likely got here in July, June. You know, Sean McNeil got here July, June. Tanner Holden got here July, June. Um, Justice Suing didn't play last year. <laughs> he didn't play. He hasn't played basketball in a year before this season because he had, he was dealing with an injury all last year. Zed Key's in a very different role than he's ever been in before in his life. And then there's freshmen. That's a lot of new parts coming together to expect them to be one of the better teams in the Big Ten, which is why I was always in a situation of they're probably going to be middle of the road. Sometimes it's going to look really good. Sometimes it's going to look really bad. But at the end of the day, they're going to be a middle of the road Big Ten team. And the really bad has just stuck a lot longer than the really good ever did. Yeah, they stink. People thought they'd be middle of the road. They were picked in the preseason sixth. They're 12th. Like, this is the thing about this. We have had, we've danced around conversations like this, Stephen, like in the past couple of years. And it's always been like, well, I mean, they're kind of right there. They're 12 and eight. They're mm-hmm. 11 and nine. They have a good win. This is a bad team. And yeah. if you're offended by that, go look at the standings and go look at the record. That's what's different about this. And I have another comparison I'm going to make later that this reminds me of so much and it's particularly about chris holtman but it's one of these things that like i don't know what to tell you they have a bad record and by the way like the idea of like hey every now and then this happens this is going to be their worst big 10 record in 25 years Mm -hmm. since jim o'brien went one in 15 in year one 25 years so by the way no this is not what happens like every couple of years. This is horrible. And I have them. We're get, we have a survey. What do you think they'll finish? I'm finishing six and 14 in big 10 play, which means they're going to win three more games. I'll finish three and five in their last eight. I don't no guarantee of that. I'll tell you that. But even at that, a 300 winning percentage in big 10 play, right? is horrible. Like it's going to be, is that 300? Did I do it wrong? Yeah, that's 300. Six out of 10. No, three, six out of 20, three out of 10. We won three out of 10, six out of, Yeah, that's as bad as since 25 years ago, Stephen. So like as bad as it got at the end of the Mata era, as bad as it was for a couple years of Jim O'Brien, right? It has not been this bad since the program completely imploded and fell apart under Randy Ayers and Jim O'Brien had to come in and sweep it up. Mm-hmm. So this is not normal. This is not, well, every now, no, it's not, not this bad. Not this bad. And I do think, Stephen, when when it's this bad, and it's why I wanted to wait, because we were percolating when they were three and six, and they had been three and six in Big Ten play. This was the fourth time in the last seven years. Like, they start off bad in Big Big Ten play a lot to the point the textures made that you made about, hey, they had bad Januaries. Mm -hmm. So I wanted to wait. I wanted to see what these next three, at Indiana, home Wisconsin, at Michigan, I wanted to see what happened. And it was bad, Steve. Like, it's been bad the last three games. It's been bad. Anything bad that you thought, it got worse. They didn't just lose. There were just times where it's like, this is, there is such a gap. There is a giant middle 
in the Big Ten. Purdue's on top. Purdue might win the national title. If Nathan were here, he'd be like, well, you know, Matt, Purdue hasn't made a Final Four since King Katie was in diapers. We know that. Purdue's excellent. Rutgers is pretty darn good. And then there's a group of like eight teams that are practically all the same. And Ohio State's not one of them. So I think, Stephen, in the past, we've had conversations like this at times when Ohio State's in that middle muck. And it's like, well, they're not terrible, but they're whatever. And like, as people listening to this, this is not that. This is Minnesota stinks. Minnesota has one Big Ten win. And it's against Ohio State. Mm-hmm. And Nebraska stinks because they don't they can't figure it out. They can't figure out basketball. And then it's Ohio State. Those are the only two teams Ohio State's ahead of in the standings. So how much should this terrible, terrible, terrible result so far, Stephen, change that conversation, right? Because we've had versions of this conversation, but I waited. I wanted to see what this podcast would be like because I wanted us to do this on this Sunday night, February 5th. I had it circled. Okay, I want us to do this now. Maybe we'll be doing a three-game winning streak. They're back in six, back to six and six. It's the same old January swoon, but now here they go. I was absolutely open to being to that podcast, Stephen. We're not only here because they stink. We wanted to get a vibe. How much should this change how people view it that this is going to be? Unless they rally, I don't know how they would. Unless they have an incredible rally, it's going to be the worst Big Ten record for Ohio State basketball in 25 years. What does that mean? I think this losing streak is worse than the one they had before they beat beat Iowa, which is not that long ago. And you pointed out why. When they were on that five-game losing streak, they were losing competitive basketball games. So it's like, yeah, you're losing. So even if it's an annoying take to have it's like okay if a ball bounces here a different way or there you can fix that even if it's a losing you can fix that problem even if it's a problem that seems to not want to go away the illinois game was bad the indiana game tracy davis jackson just had his way with ohio state that's bad the wisconsin game they lost by five they did not lose that game by five points at all it got close late and even the michigan game if it's not for a weird thing at the end of that game they lose that game by double digits this time around it felt i said it before Start. That's almost the theme of this pod. They are starting to shovel the you know what, and I'm not sure what to point at right now and go. This is how they get out of that because Bryce up up, up until this Michigan loss, Bryce Sensenball had led this team in scoring for like 14 straight games. So this is not a oh Bryce Sensenball can just throw this team on its back his back and do something to win a basketball game because that's not working either. They just need guys to play better. They need people to coach better. But more importantly, I don't. It's not fireable. And I texted that today. This is not, there's too many elements here and things at play for this to be a fireable like season. But it's I'll a, let's have, say about that opinion later. I love something. To uh, say yeah. About that yeah. I know. But I do think this is a like, let's sit down this off season. Let's have a conversation about what we're doing here. Because the, but what's it, the conversation? Because they have a good recruiting class coming in. What's going to, what's the conversation? What's the fix? Is the fix, oh, now we're going to have two good back-to-back recruiting classes? Like, what's the – what? what's he going to change? What's – I'm going to – I can't I can't save my comparison anymore. I can't save it. He's Kevin Stefanski. He – Chris Holtman reminds me of Kevin Stefanski so much. It blows my mind. That's really he good. is the coach of a team that has more talent than its record is showing. Both teams started off early in the season 
losing close games. Like they didn't know how to win. They were right there. They just, their coach did nothing to get them over the top. And then gradually they started getting their butt kicked. And you look at the roster and the talent and you say, I think this should be better than this. And then I ask myself, what is the coach doing? Tell me something the coach is doing to make them better, to get them a win, to get them over the top, to motivate them, to scheme it up. Show me something. Are they horrible? Is Kevin Stefanski horrible? No. Is Chris Holtman horrible? No. But what are they good at? And shouldn't we expect good is okay, acceptable? And Chris Holtman has done nothing in the tournament. At least Kevin Stefanski like won a playoff game and made everybody in Cleveland dance around in their underwear for a weekend. Like, why? What are you doing? And then my question is, couldn't you get somebody better? And what are you waiting for? I what? What has he done? What has he done? So that's where we're going to get to later. But I couldn't. I couldn't keep it in anymore. And also, they're kind of handsome with gray hair. Kind of handsome with gray hair. And everybody's like, oh, well, if you think, oh, this. It's like, okay, I'm sorry. Excuse me. And the other thing is they're both efficient. Early in the Brown season, people would throw out – and I like those kind of stats. And they would throw out efficiency stats. And Jacoby Brissett is this. And I'm like, yeah, but would you look at the record? They can't win a game. So when you say Ken Palm stats about offensive efficiency to me – It's an absolute great thing to cite. And I want to take those stats and set them on fire. I'm so mad about it. Then why can't you win? Why is why are you the only team in the Big Ten that's lost to Minnesota? Why have you won one game in the last month? I don't like who, how can you be? How difficult can I get an analytical stat about how unlikely it is to be this efficient? And this terrible? And could I please get them about both the Browns and the basketball Buckeyes? Take your efficiency and cram it! Win a game! Now I sound like a crazy old person. And I don't like crazy old people. But win a game! Oh my god, I can't... How is it possible that they're this bad? Is the thing that I get back to. Six years, Holtman's teams play no defense. We never have a tall center. We don't even have a power forward. Perimeter D is awful, and they are terrible at defending the three. The three-point defense is almost, hey, let's just hope they miss. That's from the 717. I I ran it so much, I'm officially out of breath. Not interesting or fun. I'm not sure that I have a rant in me for this basketball team because I've kind of given up caring about them. It's not just that they are a team on a bad streak, but it's more that they aren't interesting or fun. They've lost a lot of games in ways that make my head hurt. So it's easier to just not follow them right now. I've always liked Holtman, and he seems like a genuinely nice person, but something doesn't seem to be working, and it falls back on him. I'm not sure they can fire him because of the extension, but I don't know how you make things better without going to that extent at this point. That's Nate in Indy. It's just a frustrated Nate in Indy. This one from the 770, the biggest issue here is the inconsistency from game to game, the different lineups and the variation of who's playing well in each game. It seems like each player on the team has had one or two good games to give us hope, Besides Bryce, but we can't get consistent performances from anyone else. Is that coaching, matchups, youth? Hard to figure out what this, te- what this team's identity is. It doesn't really hang its hat on anything besides hoping Bryce goes off and trying to just hang around in games. I don't see any real adjustments or growth. If that's coaching, then we have to consider making a change because we've only seen one really strong team for Coach Holtman, and that was in year one with Thad's roster. Here's what perplexes me also, Stephen. Was not last year's team two great players with nothing else? 
And yeah. now I feel like this year's team is a supporting cast with no great players. Yeah. And it's like this, all this team needs is EJ Liddell and Malachi Branham. And all last year's team needed was Bryce Sensabaugh, Sean McNeil, Isaac Likely, Tanner Holden, Roddy Gale, and Bruce Thornton around them to help. So they missed on it last year and they missed on it this year. And then I think you could say, well, some of that's timing. It's bad luck. Holtman's shown he can do that. He can have great players. Now he's showing he can have a depth of the roster. As one texter said, they might have more rotation-worthy guys than they've ever had. They just need it to mesh together. And I think you could say that. And I also might say, you're going to be dead from all the waiting. Quit waiting. But isn't it odd, Stephen, the construction, how different last year's team and this year's team are, right? They're always something away. And it's always They're so always simple. They're always something away. Buckeye talk. They're yeah. always, you're exactly right. <laughs> I mean, we started this whole thing off with this idea, are they a Ronnie James away? This entire podcast is, whenever we talk about this basketball team, it's, oh, wait till next year, because they're going to add this thing. This is the one thing they were missing. There was a point in this year, I think it was after the Duke game, where I was like, I think this team could be a Final Four team if Malachi Brandon was still here. Because that's all they're missing is as a guy to end the game, as a guy to give the ball to the last two minutes of the game. I think they might be a Final Four team with him. I don't think that anymore because there's a bunch of other issues going on with this team. But yeah, and so you know what we're gonna do next year when they add another big time recruiting class on top of this one. If Bryce Simpson ball does leave, we're gonna go. Man, this is a really deep team. They're just missing a Bryce Simpson ball. <laughs> and then the year, after, and the year after that, they're gonna get a Bryce Simpson ball. Like man. They're just missing a 2022 recruiting class. Good thing it's coming in the next year. So, and look, timing is timing. People make their own decisions, and that stuff kind of happens. But also, tough. We're almost a decade into this at this point. It's Figure a, it's it a out. Very, it's a results. It's a results oriented business. Yeah, I don't know the, what to tell anybody. The reason like, Chris Holtman got this job because he had a good record at Butler. It wasn't yeah. because he recruited a good roster one year that went didn't win and another roster the next year that didn't win. But then yeah. he told Gene Smith, well, you know what? We really had a lot of good things in place. We were just one thing away each year. No, he had a good record. Yeah. But even if – uh, but yes, it's a win. this is the business of wins and losses. More importantly, you're almost a decade into this. Tough. Figure it out. Figure out how to stop being a year away from stuff. Whether that is I, – I don't – completely disagree with you with I, I understand how why and how they attack, attack the transfer portal the way they did this past off off season i get it hindsight is 2020 because these freshmen have not been as ready as maybe we thought they would be but i get it but you learn from that football example once again i get why last year they didn't go after the Eli Rixes of the world with the cornerbacks because you thought you had something with Jordan Hancock, Denzel Burke, and J.K. Johnson. Hindsight is twenty twenty. So what did they do this year? They went and got a big-time cornerback because they can't use that we believe in our guys thing anymore. Same thing that applied to the basketball team. I get why you did with the transfer portal what you did that last year. You can't do that this year. You can't bank on, you know, any of these 2023 freshmen being ready because, and if they are ready, it's a pleasant surprise, but you can't bank on that. Can't be the end all be all of the 18 year olds who are showing up in June are going to be the guys who save my season because this, like I said, this is not Duke and Kentucky and North Carolina where that happens habitually. We haven't really seen that happen since Jared Selinger. 
where they got an 18 year old and immediately he was all American level. And it's why they were an elite eight final four level team. Cause even with D'Angelo Russell as the number two pick in the draft, that team wasn't very good. He was just a dude. So we shouldn't do that anymore. That should not, they approached the off season with this transfer portal the exact same way they did this year. I'm going to have a problem with it because it's not going to make sense to do that two years in a row. By the way, I kind of felt like at that time, people like the D'Angelo Russell, you were kind of like, well, you know, mm-hmm. people would kill for the mm-hmm. D'Angelo Russell year right now. Are you kidding me? Oh, yeah. The number, because guess what? Bryce Hensbaugh is not going to be as the number two pick in the draft. The number two pick in the draft, and you won a tournament game? Yeah. And it's like, that was like, well, I don't know. It wasn't like that. It's like, please, more okay. of that. I want to I want to share the survey results with you, Stephen, because I really am on a joy kick. Not Buckeye talk. I'm really, I'm really trying to, I'm, it's just where I am. I'm very invested in people enjoying their teams. And that is the thing that I am the most worried about right now when it comes to Ohio State basketball. Here's the survey. Thanks to everybody, our tech subscribers who responded to this. If you want to be part of stuff like this, you can be a tech subscriber at 614-350-3315. What is the closest to your feeling about this Ohio State basketball season? So I gave four answers, Stephen. From worst to best, totally unacceptable. Jobs should be on the line with a season like this. Terrible. I have major concerns with Ohio State basketball. Bad, but every team has a down season now and then. Rough but understandable. They're playing four freshmen, and this will pay off in future seasons. So totally unacceptable, terrible, bad, rough but understandable. Steven, what do you think won? Terrible one. That is correct. Yeah. 39% terrible, 33% totally unacceptable, 17% bad, 11% rough but understandable. So on the ends, the worst got 33%, the best got 11%. The two ends, the, the two on the worst side got 72%, and the other two on the good side got 28%. So that's 72 to 28, bad to good. Uh, this is, I just want like almost like a, your guess on this, Stephen. I just asked people to project. I gave them all the games that are left. They have five home games. That is the one thing. Have, they've played a bit of an unbalanced schedule. They're three mm-hmm. and nine. They have five home games left and three road games left. Home games are Northwestern, Michigan State, Penn State, Illinois, Maryland. Road games are Iowa, Purdue, and Michigan State. I did write down like what the records are, like home and away for the teams they have left. They have a couple home games against teams that are horrible on the road. Maryland's mm-hmm. one and five on the road. Penn State's one and five on the road. Michigan State's only two and four on the road. So all those are like very winnable games at home. I think they lose all three road games. I do not understand how they would go to Iowa, Purdue, or Michigan State and win. Iowa and Purdue are both six and one at home. Michigan State's four and two at home. So I asked people, Stephen, what do you think their final Big Ten record will be if they're three and nine now? I said, I think they're going to be six and 14. I think they're going to finish three and five. I gave them three road losses. I had them beating Penn State and Maryland. I have them losing to Illinois at home. And then Northwestern and Michigan State at home, I have them splitting that one way or the other. So I have three and five rest of the way that gets them to six and 14. What do you think they will finish, Stephen? Five and 15. The Penn State game, yes. The Maryland game, yes. I can't. I, I agree with you. I think they lose all the road games. Those are good teams, regardless of if it's home. Yep. Even if they were home games, I'd say Ohio State was going to lose those games. I just can't. Outside of those two, I can't confidently pick Ohio State anymore. 
Northwestern's been 80%. decent, and Michigan State has Tom Izzo. No, there's a lot of. I mean, there's like a lot of teams that are like solid and decent, and Ohio yeah. State is not solid and decent. That is not. Yeah. Those are not two words that you would use to describe them right now. I gave a choice of five and fifteen, six and fourteen, or seven and thirteen, all in a group. Eighty seventy nine percent of the people picked that. Fourteen percent of the people picked three and seventeen or four and sixteen, which means they either go they don't win another game in the Big Ten or they win one, and then eight percent picked more optimistic, winning at least five of their last eight. So I think you or I are in agreement. We think they're going to win two or three more games the rest of this season. This is the fun equation, Stephen. This I think is so crucial, and I will I would send this to Gene Smith. In your life as an Ohio State basketball fan, how would you rate your typical level of enjoyment of the basketball Buckeyes? 10 is high, 1 is low. And then next, how would you rate your level of enjoyment with Ohio State basketball now? So, Stephen, I'll give you a guess. 1 to 10, 10 is high, 1 is low. What it's been typically in the lives of these fans and what it is right now. What do you think the first one is? What do you think their typical enjoyment is? Six, six and a half. That's typically. exactly right. It's six and a half. Six point oh, five. Very well done. <laughs> what do you think you do? You have the pulse of this. I would have said maybe even more like a seven or an eight, because like, you know, there was a lot of fun in the Thad Mata era, but I think six and a half is very reasonable. How about right now? What do you think it is? <laughs> One and a half, two. Yeah. Two point three five. Mm. And like forty percent of the people are out of one. And not a single person voted 8, 9, or 10. So from a 6.5 to a 2.4, Stephen, I think that matters. I think Gene Smith should care about that. And I am not going to tell any fan to boycott their team, to give up their tickets, to not buy jerseys or whatever. I I don't like it when people call for that. I, I don't think that's fair. People can react in different ways. There are plenty of ways to express dissatisfaction. It's very easy to send an email. And I think ranting emails, as much as this is a rants podcast, ranting doesn't do you much good. Like heartfelt, hey, I I love this program and I can't love it right now. I don't know. You get enough of those, I think it matters. And I don't think this is, as, as much as it's very easy to rant about basketball right now, I don't think it is unreasonable. I don't think it is wild. I don't think it is unfair. I don't think it is crazy people. I don't think this is oh, social media. You can't believe. I think this is real, Stephen. How big of a deal do you think it is that a program that is typically a 6.5 on the enjoyment meter is a 2.35 right now? I mean, it's a problem. Unfortunately, there's not a game to maybe test this out and see how that fares in terms of attendance because there's not a hot ticket left on Ohio State schedule for a home game situation. Like if they had a, they don't play Michigan again this year. If they played Michigan instead of Michigan State and that was a home game on March 4th and it was like a big ticket and you sold 65% of the tickets you thought you were going to sell, now that's a problem that Gene Smith needs to pay attention to because that is a fan base that is beginning to check out. It's hard to do that when, you know, you can get tickets for as low as $2 for the Northwestern game that's on Thursday. Um, the Michigan State game as low as $20. These are just kind of, oh, if you just want to do something random on a Thursday night, I'll just go check out the basketball team because that can cost me a lot of money. There's not the hot ticket to really test this theory out, but it's something to keep an eye on going into next year when you get to January because you can't gauge 
the first couple of months because people are still in football mode. But if that first, let's just say, just for an example, that first January home game, which is typically a Saturday against a Big Ten team, that game is pretty juice. It's a lot of juice going on inside the shot for that game. Typically, if that juice is not there next year, then it becomes like, all right. Teams have checked out on this program. Maybe we need to think about switching some things up. And I know that's a year away and that's a hard thing to even gauge right now, but that's when you really start to show like, Hey, a fan base is checked out when at the time when you're supposed to be getting excited about a team because your football season is over, that uptick in attendance never happens. And it sticks to what it was in November where half the arena is not there. And I'm going, man, if we just only made people sit in the bottom row, this would actually be more interesting than having people spread out all over the place. Question about assistant coaches I want to ask you here, Stephen. What's the impact of coaching changes? How do I judge how much we miss Ryan Peden on the bench from the 614? I will say I thought in Thad Mata's last season when the assistants were Dave Dickerson, Chris Gent, and Greg Paulus, I thought the assistants let Thad Mata down. I thought he really missed Jeff Bowles. I thought he missed John Gross, who was early on in Thad Mata's career, really, really important to him. Um, Archie Miller was here for a brief amount of time. We saw how close that was with Sean Miller at Xavier. I thought uh, Greg Paulus was sort of uh, in a time before I put names on it, he would be on my list of like the Bill Davis, Corey Dennis, like list of guys who I think like are not getting it done. Tim Beck. I would put Greg Paulus on this. Cause like he got here from Duke and I was sort of like, I don't, like, why is this? What is this? He's the head coach at Niagara now. Dave Dickerson is the head coach at UC Upstate. And Chris Jensen, the NBA, which again is a little bit Bill Davis, which is where he should be. He was basically an assistant at Ohio State, then went to the NBA, then came back and was an assistant at Ohio State for like a year or two, then went back to the NBA. He's a Lakers assistant right now. He's an NBA guy, but he was here. Mm-hmm. And I thought like all the recruiting stuff, I thought for a guy with a bad back, I, I thought I thought Thad Staff, absolutely let him down late in his career. And guess what? That's on Thad for not hiring better guys. Maybe hiring his friends instead of hiring the most qualified guys who could have given Ohio State a boost. Where is this staff right now? This is not the original Chris Holtman staff. I think he's cycled through everybody. Mike Schrage left, Ryan Peden left, mm-hmm. right? This is, do you think he misses a guy like Peden? I thought they'd miss Peden a lot more in the recruiting trail than they end up actually doing for this 23 class. So kudos to Jake Diebler, who I think is, a guy to watch going forward as maybe if there's a guy on this staff right now who is next in line, maybe to be a head coach somewhere, not this up and coming off season, but just in general, it's probably him. Uh, so from that standpoint, they did what they needed to do, which was, as you were mentioning, that was part of the things that the, the assistant coaches weren't doing under Thad Mata. I think Peden has been with Chris Holtman from the moment he got here, he was with him at, at Butler. So that dynamic has always been the same. And losing that maybe it drastically changed people's roles. You know, uh, Jake Deeb was in a a much bigger position than he's ever been in. Now, uh, Chris Holtman having and Ryan Peden catching COVID last year and having to miss some games. And so all of a sudden, Jake Deeb was the head coach for a a short second there, maybe ease that transition. But yeah, there's everybody's moving into new roles for the first time. And so there was going to be some growing pains there. Now, is it why they're three and nine in the Big Ten and under 500? No, but. If they were six and six, then I think it's something you could lean on of, man, if Ryan Peden was still here and these roles didn't drastically change and Chris Holtman didn't have to spend that much time hiring new staff members, because this is basically a brand new staff outside of Jake Diebler, um, 
for the most part, then maybe this team is nine and three instead of six and six, but you can't, Ryan Peden is not the reason why this team is three and nine. So it's hard to put that at the top of the list, even though it is something that before the season, you probably needed to acknowledge that this many roles changing on the coaching staff was going to have some growing pains at some point. All right, Steven. So the question is if this is going to get better next year, you've chalked this up as a lost season. I don't, I mean, they, they're under 500. They have to be at least 500 to make the NIT. I, I don't know that. I don't know what you would point at to think that this is going to get turned around. So let's think about next year. When you have four freshmen coming in, three of whom are top 50 national recruits, if you assume Bryce Sensabaugh Sensa is gone, but again, maybe you can sell him on, hey, you've got to develop your defensive game. I, I, I don't know. But if you get Bruce Thornton, who had 20-plus on Michigan on, against Michigan on Sunday, he's better. Roddy Gale is better. Felix Opara is better. Can this be a significantly better team a year from now? Maybe you hit on a one bigger guy in the portal. If you put two big-time recruiting classes back-to-back, Stephen, is there legitimate reason to believe next season will be different? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> you can only go up from here, right? But yes, I think no, that you can be the same. I asked Hugh Jackson <laughs> when he was one in 15, what happens if you go oh and 16? And he says, because he said he can only go up for here. I said, what if you go in 16? He said, I'll jump in the lake. And he jumped. In the he lake. had to jump in the lake. <laughs> that was me. I made Hugh Jackson jump in a lake. So if people are going to say things like it can only go up for Ohio State basketball, I will make Chris Holtman promise to jump in a lake. So it does not only have to go up. It can stay very, very bad. So should it be this freshman class right now? Should it be significantly better next year as sophomores? And then you think about what this incoming group can do. Will they be better as freshmen than these current guys are as freshmen? Is that realistic to think? Hugh Jackson has ruined so much optimism with the cliches for you. <laughs> like I can just feel the PTSD listen, coming through the screen. Listen, right man. Now. Listen, listen, listen. One of us is still here, and one of us is. So, if anyone has PTSD, it's not the guy who still has his job. That's so. fair. Very fair point. Um, I think so. Yes, and it's less about the freshmen that are coming in and more about the freshmen who are here right now who will have a year under their belt and the idea that they get to January and February and they will have it more figured out than they do right now. And it's a it's a bigger pool of guys you're going to be relying on to have it figured out than it is right now where it's only three guys who are probably, from a talent standpoint, their cup is probably full in comparison to the other guys who have plenty of room to grow. So from that standpoint, yes. But I'm not saying that with a, man, this could probably be better next year. It's, this better be better next year. Like, there's no excuses at this point. This need, yeah. this is not, I'm not, I'm, you're not saying this happy go lucky. It's like, show me something better, show me results, or let's, we, we should start a coaching search here because the eight years is enough of seeing the same. I don't even think they can go back to, oh, you, it ran amok in January, got better in February. You gave it because it's a clock at this point, right? The the non conference schedule, they're really good and they beat a team they're not supposed to beat. So then when people come in from football, they're like, oh, this team's pretty good. 
Wait, no, they're not very good. They've just lost four straight. Oh, wait, they got it together. They just had a slump. Oh, they had a deep tournament run. Ooh, they're going to be really good. Oh, no, they lost in the second round of the NCAA tournament because all the flaws that we saw in January didn't actually disappear. They just played worse teams in February, so they got away with some stuff. They can't go back to that. I think they need – this is the dramatic step backwards. You need a dramatic step forward to get back even, which means I guess, I think Sweet that's well 16. Said. Yeah. Because we've always been waiting for the peak. This team, this program's had no peak in the Holtman era. No Big Ten championship, no Sweet 16. Those are peaks to me. Great. You finished second in the Big Ten with Kata Bates, Diop, mm-hmm. and Jay Sean Tate in year one. And I don't care about the Big Ten tournament because nobody cares about the Big Ten tournament. So they don't have the peak, but the thing that he had in his corner was consistency, was consistently being good to quite good. Right, You made the tournament every year. Mm. I wrote that when they made the tournament last year. I think they were one of four or five teams in the country. We know they would have made the tournament in the COVID year. When you look at the projections for that bracket, he was five for five in the tournament. And in that time, there were a handful of teams, a handful that were that. That does matter. But when you go, when you are three and nine in the Big Ten, when you have the valley before the peak, now all of a sudden being consistently good, it's like, okay, well, now you're not even that. And honestly, what have you ever won? So other coaches at Ohio State have had valleys like this, but they always did it when they had a peak first. Jim O'Brien, his last two years, and then he got fired for off-the-court stuff. But his last two years were bad, but he made a Final Four before that. Right? I mean, Thad hit Thad mm-hmm. hit a gap, but he made he won the Big Ten in year two. Gave you he reasonable beat doubt. Undefeated, he, he beat undefeated number one in year one, which is more exciting. I, I would argue that's more exciting than anything Chris Holtman has done. And I know they beat Duke. Yeah. But that Illinois win with the Matt Sylvester shot, I would argue in year one of Thad Mata is a higher peak than anything Chris Holtman's done. And Chris Holtman mm-hmm. can come on Buckeye Talk. To, Mike is open and dispute that. Year two, they win the Big Ten. Year three, they make the fi- win the Big Ten and make the Final Four. So then anything after that, well, you've had the peaks. All right, here come some valleys. And Thad did not get much of a valley. He did not. So now Chris mm-hmm. Holtman's in a valley, and there is no peak. So what are you hanging on to? Okay. Steven, we will talk about basketball again on Buckeye Talk. We will do that. I think we will certainly do something, I was going to say, before the NCAA tournament. But why would we do that? Because Ohio State won't be in it. We'll have a boisterous, what's the what's the tournament that's worse than the NIT? The CA, the CIT, CAB? I think it's the, the CIT, yeah, the, the, something, it's CIT, it's something invitational tournament. And to be honest with you, I'm not even sure <laughs> right now they qualify for that, but. We will have a lustrous, full-bodied preview of Ohio State versus Hofstra in the first round of the CIT <laughs> in like a month. But we might not talk about basketball until then. I know this is not everybody's cup of tea, but we are going to wrap this up when we come back on Buckeye Talk. All right, we're back to wrap up this Buckeye Talk. It's just me now. I got a few more rants from our tech subscribers that I want to run through. And and I don't want to take anybody down with me. So we let Steven go. Appreciate his insight on this basketball team. So I'm supposed to save... Uh, like tease you guys and say, wait until I said I have my solution. Here's my solution. Chris Holtman needs to take the Notre Dame job. So I think that is the way out of this. And here's what I am concerned about for Ohio State basketball. I am concerned about the idea that nothing is ever truly bad enough to make a move, but nothing is ever good enough 
to reach a peak and that you, I don't want to say waste a decade of Ohio State basketball, but you wind up with the decade of Ohio State basketball that is largely forgettable. It's fine, but nobody's particularly happy. And I think that includes Chris Holtman. I think Chris Holtman is just not the right fit here. And I don't think he would disagree. I think he's just a, at Butler, I think he was a good fit there. And then you get offered the Ohio State job. And I think he said as much at the time with some interviews in Indiana, like you've got to take it. The Ohio State job is significantly bigger than Butler. Pays more. You've got to take it. And now he's here. And I don't think it's the right fit for anybody. It doesn't mean he's a terrible coach. He's not. He's not terrible, which is almost part of the problem. But is he the right fit? And it's not, sadly, not sadly, realistically, it's not about Chris Holtman. It's about the program. And why should Ohio State tread water and accept this, which is fine. It's fine. But why is fine okay? And don't you think you could do more? So the hard part of this is that Last year, Chris Holtman got an extension, and it was not the world's largest extension. And I questioned it at the time, but I actually thought it wasn't that large of money. It's going to gradually get him up to $4 million a year, but he had not renegotiated his deal since he'd got here, like now six years ago. So they kind of had to do something. So he now has a deal that takes him out through the 27-28 season. So it's this year plus five more because the original deal took him through 24-25 and they added three years to that. So when you think about there'd be five years left after this year and it's like, you know, it's it's about three and a half now and it gradually builds up. It is about $20 million that you'd be on the hook for. And that is realistic. It's not huge though. It's not they didn't break the bank for him, but it sort of was like they had to do something. But uh, in the list of rants from you guys, my only rant for basketball is why was Holtman given a raise and extension after last year? He didn't deserve it. I think it's putting us in a bad spot now. If he did not have that, that's from the 205. If he didn't have that, this would be much easier. So I do agree. Uh, it was weird. It's kind of how you live because if you get to – I mean, it's one of those things. The system – the whole freaking system of coaching salaries and coaching hires and you've got to give guys extensions so they don't have only two years left on their deal, which if you only have two years left on your deal, then the incoming recruiting class might think my coach isn't going to be here. But in a world where players can leave after every single season, are you really signing coaches to five-year deals just to keep the recruits happy so they think the coach is going to be here your entire four-year career? Why do you think the players are going to have a four-year career at your program? So, it is an issue. I think it's enough, right? That I think it makes it probably unrealistic that they would fire him after this season. You can't get, it's not that you can't. And, and listen, Ohio State just took a loan to sort of keep pay off some of his athletic department debts from the stuff left over from the COVID era. So they're not as flush as they normally are, but they still take in and give out a ton of money, a ton of money. So $20 million is a lot, but come on. If you get the right guy, right? I don't also know if they maybe would have a basketball booster who would be like, I'll help you there. We got to make a move. So what do I think is going to happen at the end of this season? I do not think Chris Holtman is going to get fired. Gene Smith gave Chris Holtman a vote of confidence to Adam Jardy, the Columbus Dispatch, last week. I also will say Gene sometimes says one thing and a month later says something different. 
they're three and nine right now. Get back to me when they're three and 17. Get back to me when they're four and 16, because that's right now. And then Gene, Gene Smith could say, well, I thought it would, you know, we'd get it together. But the way this season ended, things changed. So I also, I, I wouldn't carry that vote of confidence too far. I mean, they're not going to fire him in February. But I don't think this is it. I don't think this is the answer. And I think fans are unhappy. And I think Chris Holtman's unhappy. I don't know that, but I think it. And I think he'd be happier at Notre Dame. Mike Bray at Notre Dame has announced that he's retiring after this year. And Chris Holtman and his agent like to float that he's an attractive candidate. They like to float that he was interviewed or contacted for the Indiana job last year. I think there have been times anybody in the Midwest, you think, oh, man, maybe Chris Holtman could be a job. Maybe he'd be great there. I don't think he's ever going to be great here. I think Notre Dame is a much better fit for him because Ohio State athletically is still a place that takes people from Notre Dame. That's just realistic. Ohio State doesn't lose people to Notre Dame. Ohio State is a rung up on Notre Dame in athletics. Whether that's good or bad, whether it means that Notre Dame has its priorities in order better, I don't know. Ohio State is bigger and badder. Badder in the good way. Bigger and badder than Notre Dame. So let Chris Holtman go to Notre Dame, and he has a buyout that's $2.5 million right now. And Ohio State's on the hook for $20 million if they can. I'm just let everybody go their separate ways. So I think that is the solution to this. That's my solution. It's in a bad spot. That's my solution. Two questions for the texters. How do you think Chris Holtman's career will go? These were the choices. He's going to win big here at some point, and we'll be talking Final Fours and Big Ten titles with Holtman. He'll continue in Columbus for at least another five years as a consistently good coach, but the Buckeyes will never peak. He'll leave for a similar job sooner than later, and everyone will be happier, or he'll be fired after this season or next. So from best result to worst result, the worst result got 51%. He'll be fired after this season or next, 51%. He'll leave for a similar job sooner than later, 26%. He'll continue for another five years, kind of as is, good but never peaking, 20%. He's going to win big here at some point, and we'll be talking final fours. That's 4%. 4%. What are you feeling about the status of Chris Holtman right now? I'm ready to fire him now if this season finishes like this. That's the worst. He's got one more year, but if Ohio State isn't really good next year, he should be gone. Or this program has been a consistent tournament team, and I'm a long way from thinking about firing. The winner is he's got one more year, but if Ohio State isn't good next year, he should be gone. That's 50%. 41% say get rid of him now. Only 9% say I'm a long way from firing. Now, again, the people who are a long way from firing are less likely to participate in a survey like this. So this is the most wound up group, but people are wound up. This isn't it. And I think we all know it. I think we do. Did Mata, Mata, did Mata fault? I, when I got hired at, sometimes I admit things I shouldn't admit. When I got hired here in 2005 and I was, I was going to be the football and basketball beat writer. Um, Thad Mata. I didn't know how to say his name. I didn't know if he was Tad Mata, Thad Mata. I was like, well, how do you say this guy's name? And then I didn't know if he was Dick Mata's son, who was an NBA coach, except Dick Mata spells it M-O-T-T-A. So maybe, Doug, you journalist, you should have figured out. Probably they're not related if they spell their last names differently. But I can remember when I got here and I was like sort of getting a tour of the uh, Schottenstein Center. We ran into Thad Mata. And uh, anyway, and I figured out how to say his name. How to say somebody's name, very important in journalism, especially in podcasts. You don't want to know how much time I spend 
well, maybe this is actually professionalism. How much time I spend watching other videos, like of recruits and other players on other teams, watching videos, watching ESPN broadcasts, just to figure out the correct pronunciation of people's names. And I know I still don't get everybody right, so I apologize for that, but I try. Did Mata falsely raise my expectations for this program? No, it's not falsely. I don't think that the Mata expectations are are a false blip. I think it's the new world. I do. I don't. I don't know. I don't know why. And again, not the peak of the Mata expectations, but that Ohio State should compete at the top of the Big Ten, be a regular Big Ten Big Ten contender, and in its best years, be a national title contender. And what is a national title contender? To me, it's a team that goes into the tournament. And you think to yourself, I can see them winning the national title. And then they get to the Sweet 16. And then you see what happens. Matchups matter, luck, guy hits a shot, whatever. But that, and have they been that? And I guess they were that one year as a two seed, and they lost to a 15 seed. So they have not met, again, it's not make the final four all the time. But I don't think... I don't think that this is – I don't think that Mata was a blip. There's there's, there's somebody else here. I'm, I'm just going to run through this stuff. This team stinks, and worst of all, the coach hasn't been good for three seasons now. And what does Gene do? Give the guy an extension. He's done nothing to earn. Now, even if Ohio State wanted to cut ties with him, they would have to pay him 20 to $25 million to go away. I'm not expecting any Final Four runs ever, every season, but Holtman can't even make it out of the first round hardly, and now he'll be lucky to make the NIT. So that extension is playing a part in this, but I don't think it would play a part a year from now. So I would, so here's, this is the hard thing. I like Holtman. I've met him, his wife and daughter. They are wonderful people, but this is disappointing from the 773. That shouldn't be a complicating factor. Everybody thinks he's nice. I think he might be too nice. Because, like, we're not hiring people to be nice. Not to, I mean, of course. You're hired to win. So I don't know what to tell you. But I think he is nice. He is. He's not a bad person. I don't think he's out breaking rules. I don't think he's he's screaming at players. I don't think he's abusing, like, mentally or throwing, bas- you know, ba- throwing basketballs at players in practice. I don't think he's doing the kind of things that we see the worst coaches, the worst among us do to players sometimes. And that matters. And that matters. But also, at some point, you gotta, you've got to win. So I think we've seen Holtman's ceiling. If this is the floor, fire him. I think that's well said in a lot of ways because as I've said, and I keep saying, this is a valley before a peak, but maybe the peak's not going to happen. Like again, the best year was year one with Thad's leftover players. Maybe the peak is just not going to be there. Chris Holtman has consistently shown that his ceiling as a head coach is not as high as it should be for the head coach of a program of Ohio State's caliber from the 614. The team that overachieved in his first season at Ohio State, he's been riding that accomplishment ever since. Every year since then, they have arguably underachieved or done about as well as expected, and that simply isn't good enough. Under Thad Mata, this program consistently competed for and won Big Ten championships, was regularly a top four seed in the tournament, and were often had a realistic shot at a Final Four. Under Holtman, the bar hasn't been conference titles and an expectation of making the second weekend of the tourney at minimum, but the expectation has been finishing over 500 in the conference and making the tourney at all. He hasn't come close to producing a squad that can make the Final Four, and at Ohio State, that should happen at least once in a six-year span. If competing for conference titles and deep tournament runs are the expectation at Ohio State, then Holtman isn't the guy and it's time to move on. Boom! That's it. No notes. No notes. 
Clearly, the Chris Holtman era is an upgrade over the Thad Mata era. Thad's last couple of seasons were nowhere near as good as Holtman's. This is obvious sarcasm that the texter said that. Doug, I remember listening to Buckeye Talk Pods where you happily welcomed Holtman and celebrated showing Mata the door. Do I sense some regret now? This person never liked the Mata hire, n- never liked the Holtman hire. I never liked the Holtman hire. I just said that. And he has done nothing to change my mind. Five straight NCAA tournament appearances with no Big Ten titles, no Big Ten tournament titles, blah, blah, blah. There is absolutely nothing fun or anything to celebrate during the Holtman era. Holtman is the perfect complement to the shot. Boring, no juice, and nothing memorable. Holtman is single-handedly sent Ohio State basketball back to the Eldon Miller era. So I don't agree with that character- characterization of my view on things. I had some concerns about whether he was too butlery. I, I did remember having that in the moment. Now, that I think is difficult to do to somebody. That hey, you're at Butler. I think you can only be at Butler, and I don't, I don't think that's fair to put on somebody. But I did not think that Thad had to go right then. Um, let's see. I wrote about this at the time, and it is. It's funny. It's harder to go back and listen to podcasts. I barely write anymore, but sometimes I wish I did write more because it is for the record. This is what I wrote when Mata was fired, and they had the news conference with Thad before they hired Holtman. Mata was fired Monday after 13 seasons, not for losing during the season, but for losing the offseason. Athletic director Gene Smith initially stuck with Mata after a 17-15 season and second consecutive year missing the NCAA tournament. But recruiting failures in the three months since led to another meeting Friday and a decision to, to, to depart that Smith and Mata couched as mutual. Let's see. Uh... Mata created a program where Sweet 16 appearances and Big Ten titles became commonplace enough that a two-year NCAA gap became unacceptable at a school that missed six straight tournaments between 1993 and 1998. Mata won five Big Ten titles in 13 years. The Buckeyes won five in the 33 years before Mata, and two of those were vacated by the NCAA. With Ohio uh, stacked with high school basketball talent in the next two recruiting cycles, the decision to let Mata go now isn't outlandish, though I thought he deserved another season. The Buckeyes will find a very good coach in June. They found Mata, a 36-year-old coming off an Elite Eight run with Xavier, in July of 2024. The greatest compliment to Mata may be this. What the Buckeyes are looking for now is some version of what he was 13 years ago, only hoping that by 2030, things will have gone this well. It's not going this well. Um, let's see more. I want to say about this. If you think this move is overdue, then you think that's what Ohio state should always be on the brink of the final four. You can admire that quest for growth, then understand why the basketball program is now under construction, but football always echoes through this campus. It's why Ohio state isn't Duke or Kentucky or North Carolina or Indiana, a place where the basketball coach is the biggest name on campus. Ohio state basketball can win. It should win, but it's not entitled to win. That the Buckeyes were what they were for 13 seasons with a coach like Mata can't ever be taken for granted. At his peak, which wasn't so long ago, he created an NBA pipeline while battling legends like Michigan State's Tom Izzo and Wisconsin's Bo Ryan at the top of the Big Ten. At one point, fans were worried he'd leave. Now many wanted him gone. It's the business. That's that's where I was. I thought Thad should got, should have gotten another year. But I thought they had a chance to hire a good coach. And so I did wonder if if Holtman could level up. But I did not. I was not calling for Thad to go. So just like so that was wrong. I wanted to read that text saying that. But that was that was wrong. 
From the 513, I just don't understand the long leash Gene Smith seems to have given Holtman. We are nearing the end of year six, and he's been okay, but has not won anything of tangible value. We've recently seen coaches pushed out of their programs that, frankly, have accomplished more than what Chris Holtman has. Mark Turgeon at Maryland, Mike White at Florida come to mind from the 513. So Gene Smith is a big part of this, and I have a view on that as well. Um, I have a view on that. So it doesn't appear Gene Smith is going to make a move on Holtman this year, no matter how bad a record gets, essentially making next year a sweet 16 or else season. I think I agree with that. Ohio State will be losing Justice Suing, Sean McNeil, Ice Likely, probably Bryce Sensabaugh. You can safely assume at least one player will hit the portal. Given these losses, how confident will we be that next year will be any different? Chris Holtman has not earned the benefit of the doubt as to whether or not he can turn this thing around. That's from the 513. Last thing about Gene, fire Holtman. I don't know how Gene has made the comment of support for him. I really don't understand it. He's underperformed expectations every year. That's from the 4-4-0. So I think this is a little wrapped up in Gene Smith hiring Chris Holtman because Gene Smith did not hire Thad Mata. Gene Smith did not hire Urban Meyer. He did hire Urban Meyer. He did hire Urban Meyer. And I do think Gene actually deserves more credit for hiring Urban Meyer than he gets. But... Urban was the obvious choice. He didn't hire Jim Trestle. So the, he's, you know, he hired Tom Ryan in wrestling. He hired Kevin McDuff in women's basketball. He's made other big time hires that have really mattered and for programs that have won. But I think the two most high profile hires that Gene Smith has made in his long, long tenure as athletic director, I mean, it's almost 20 years are Chris Holtman and Ryan Day. And I think he's reluctant to get rid of his guy. Because if Chris Holtman hits, if Ryan Day hit, they are not the obvious slam dunk candidates. Gene Smith gets credit if they're good. And I think that is factoring in here. I do. And Gene, but again, I think Gene can change his mind very quickly. So so I wouldn't put too much on it, but I'm also on alert. And I will bring this to Gene's attention at some point. We have to let, we needed to do this podcast now, but now we need to let this play out to the end of the year and see how it goes. But at the very least, if this season finishes as bad as it looks like it's going to finish, next year is making the tournament and finishing fifth in the Big Ten isn't good enough. You need a peak next year to match this valley, or that's it. That is 1,000% where I am going to be, and I think it's where you should be because it's not fun right now. So... That's where I am. Here's your rant. Gene Smith was full of it when he talked about his expectations for basketball. The three previous coaches, Thad Mata, Jim O'Brien, Randy Ayers, all won a Big Ten title and had a deep tourney run in their first three years. Holtman has done none of those. Gene Smith's description to me is what I rely on all the time. It's from the day from the day of Chris Holtman's hiring news conference. And Gene Smith, I've read it here before. I'm not going to read it again. It's compete at the top of the Big Ten and be a national championship final four contender on the regular. Gene's description to you was along those lines, but then he extended Holtman's contract last fall, despite Holtman not meeting Gene's own standard. Now the fan base is completely out on Holtman to the point even the most ardent Holtman defenders, excuse makers, are like, yeah, this guy ain't it, but we're stuck with him. I don't see any way they pay for the $20 million to get him out of this. Do you? That's our guy, Joseph, in Atlanta. So uh, this is a lot. Gene's got to navigate this. And I don't, like, I don't think he should... The coach is in battle. The season's going south. A mid-year vote of confidence to kind of cool the fire, I get. But I think that needs to come with, at the end of the season, something along the lines of, we need to be better. And I will ask for that. From the 513, 
Because Ohio State is a football school, Gene accepts mediocrity from Holtman. A school like Ohio State with the resources and budget of Ohio State shouldn't just be thrilled to make the tournament. That's great for a mid-range conference conference team, not for Ohio State. This isn't even a fun product to watch. They lose every single game you turn on. So I don't, like, accepting mediocrity. I I don't think it's they don't care. I think Gene Wentz has got to win. I really do. Uh, This is a great, two great, texts about this situation. This is our guy, Seth Shaner. So Jay Wright, the Villanova coach, two-time national champion, retired after last year, did the Ohio State-Michigan game on Sunday. Coincidentally, heck of a coincidence, Villanova and Jay Wright beat Ohio State and Michigan in back-to-back tournament games last year, but at least the Michigan game was in the Sweet 16. Jay Wright's commentary of the game was essentially a thesis statement on what is wrong with this team and evidence that someone, namely him, could do this better. His thoughts on Bruce Thornton were reminiscent of Urban Meyer. This is a great text. Shane, Seth, I mean, Seth Shaner. His thought, oh my God, this text. This is how, his thoughts on Bruce Thornton were reminiscent of Urban Meyer talking about Braxton Miller from the booth in 2011. He continually questioned why they didn't run something for McNeil, who seems to have to get his own shot 90% of the time. And he talked often about what more of a modern look at basically would be and he talked often about a more a more modern look that would get you threes if you're willing to give a little on inside twos, if you have the ability to go smaller and make it work on the other end. Anyway, I screwed up that last part, Seth. The bottom line is the comparison between Urban Meyer as a broadcaster in 2011 calling an Ohio State game and talking about Braxton Miller and letting you know what he would do with Braxton Miller and the next year he's Braxton Miller's coach and Jay Wright talking like this. Let's talk about this. Let's talk about this. Any chance we can lure Jay Wright out of retirement, Holtman can recruit at a decent enough level, but he clearly doesn't have what it takes to win in the Big Ten from the 216. Why not? So here's where I also am. Every firing, and whether it's a good move or not, is connected to the hire. If you fire somebody first and then say, now we're going to go look for the best guy, okay, that's a firing that had to be done at all costs. Well, Anybody would be better than this guy. We cannot have this guy back. We've got to fire him, and now we look. The idea that they would not be there with Chris Holtman after this season, especially with the extension, especially with five years that you've got to pay him, I get. But I would start looking. I would start whispering, hey, Jay. And if you could get Jay Wright out of retirement now, Before someone else gets him, then you make the change. Because the idea that you have to keep Holtman to keep the recruiting class intact, why? Why? Like, why is anything here that's good? The idea that there's a lot of stuff here that's not working right now, but you can't get rid of Holtman because of the stuff that he brought in that is good. Why can't some of the good stuff stay? If you get a good enough coach, all the players are going to leave? Bruce Thornton's going to leave because Chris Holtman recruited him if Jay Wright comes in? This, these top 50 national players are going to be like, well, you know, really, Holtman's my guy. I really love Jake Deeb. They'd stay for Jay Wright. So you could keep the best. That's the whole point of this. That's how college football coaches win national championships in year two. Because they come in and they take the best parts of what the guy before them left. Trestle did it with John Cooper. Urban Meyer did it at Florida with Ron Zook. You, you keep the best parts and you fix what's broken. That can happen here. So talk to Jay Wright now. Talk. Talk to Jay right now. Talk to Jay right now. Do it. 
Talk to big time coaches. See if you could make this happen and then shuffle Holtman off to another job. And now, a year from now, if they don't win, if they're not fun, if they're not competing at the top of the Big Ten and making Sweet 16s, then you're at a anybody but him situation. But I would talk to Jay right now. And guess what? He won at a huge level at a basketball-only school, right? Villanova is playing FCS-level football. There's parts of this that Jay Wright might want to take this on. There's parts of this that Jay Wright might want to take this on. So go look for that now. I don't think that's unreasonable. So that's my view on this. If you can get somebody that much better, I'd make the move after this season if that guy's ready to go. If not, he probably gets one more year, unless you can shuffle him off. When is enough enough from the 4-4-0? I understand that Holtman has had some success in regards to the rivalry and winning several games, but I view the Ohio State basketball program as one that should be in the Sweet 16 Elite Eight every year. That's a little much. That's a little much. But they should be in the mix more. Sweet 16 every year is a little much. That's too much. But 0 for 6 is also not good enough. It's somewhere in between. This program hasn't won a Big Ten championship or appeared in the Sweet 16 in over a decade. Under Thad Bottom, this team was a perennial contender in the Big Ten. All Chris Holtman has to show is an upset loss to a 15 seed, a loss in overtime in the Big Ten championship game, and multiple second round exits. I don't want to hear that there's a top five class coming in or he needs one more year. Stop moving the goalposts and hold him accountable from the 4-4-0. I don't, I don't disagree. I'm reading these because I don't disagree. Here's one where I do disagree. This will be the same crowd of people that will be crying fire Ryan Day after a loss to Michigan, but will say hold Holtman but we'll say Holtman needs one more year after a second round exit or a below 500 season. So this person, I actually do agree with. They're saying people who, who this is their view of Ohio State coaches. Fire day after Ohio State made the playoff because they lost to Michigan. Ryan Day was undefeated going into the Michigan game, loses to Michigan. This Kester is saying there are people who want to fire day, but give Holtman more time. But this other person says, we need a culture change in Columbus, basketball and football. The current coaches just aren't getting the job done, sad to say. That's where I disagree. The idea of lumping Ryan Day and Chris Holtman together is nuts to me. It is not the same thing. And that's taking into account that the expectations are very different. The football expectations are much higher than the basketball expectations, which is why Ryan Day has made the final four three out of his four years. He's made the final four. So if we're going to compare, let's do it. Ryan Day has three final fours in four years. Chris Holtman has zero sweet 16s in six years. Stop comparing them. If you're comparing them, it's not the same thing. We know the standards are different. They should be different. But within their own standards, Ryan Day is much closer to meeting the Ohio State standard than Chris Holtman is. And of course, Ohio State football needs to beat Michigan. We understand that. Ohio State basketball doesn't have a rival like that. They just don't. We, we always try to make it up. It really was at Indiana more than anything. The Bob Knight thing for a long time, right? Is it really Michigan? At times when Michigan's good, they had a great rivalry with Wisconsin in basketball for a couple of years. So anyway, the problem is that they have underperformed in the tournament. Five straight tourney appearances and never making it out of the first weekend. And this season has been a disaster. I just do not know what to do. If you fire Holtman, how likely is it that we get someone better? Very likely. You've got to go bigger than you did in the Holtman search. So the Holtman search, the last two hires were weird. They're looking for guys in the summer, like when the cycle's done. 
Because O'Brien got fired for the NCAA tournament stuff. You've hired Thad in July. And then Gene waited to pull the trigger until June because it was recruiting stuff that got Thad fired. And the big thing that got him fire, fired was that guy who decommitted from Ohio State, Darius Beasley, right? Decommitted from Ohio State, committed to Syracuse, and then decommitted from Syracuse and went right to the NBA anyway. So Thad got fired because a guy who wound up playing zero minutes of college basketball decommitted from Ohio State. And then who like is like, okay. He's in the NBA. Is that his name? So anyway, that's why he got fired. They've had the last two coaching searches, searches have been weird. They should get someone better. And I think if you think they can't get someone better than Chris Holtman, then I think the problems with Ohio State basketball run much deeper than anything we're talking about. You can't do better than the Butler coach for real. You can't lure somebody. You can't lure somebody from the SEC or the ACC or the Big 12 or the Pac-12 who's winning right now, go hire Scott Drew. You can't throw money at Scott Drew. For real. You can't. It's impossible. It's impossible. It's impossible. It's impossible. It's impossible. Go get the guy who's at Seton Hall who took St. Peter's to the tournament last year. Go get somebody with some juice. Go get somebody with a record. You can do it. Get Jay Wright. They can do better. That's the whole thing of this. And here's the thing. That really, again, this is the thing. I get frustrated. From the 614, my rant is sadly, what is there to rant about? Most of Holtman's teams have underwhelmed. I've never found him to be a particularly impressive in-game coach. He doesn't run an offense. That is what wins them games. They generally play good defense, but they're always undersized. The teams aren't all that fun to watch and are often pretty frustrating. He has frequently had to fill roster holes with random transfers. He recruits a fringe NBA guy every year, but they're good enough to ride the bench in the league and not good enough to carry a flawed roster. He's had some success, and this is a particularly bad season. But what has he ever done to convince anyone that he's the best man for the job? I'm out on the guy, and I've stopped watching. What has he done? It's not that you're bad. What have you ever done to let us think that they couldn't do better? That's this discussion. Ohio State is stuck for at least one more season with Chris Holtman. That could be the end of the rant. We're stuck. He's a good man, but he's not going to get it done here. He has recruited really well these past two cycles, but his player development and offensive play calling leaves a lot to be desired. His late game execution is also just gross. He has squandered back-to-back seasons with freshmen who will be first-round picks. He struggles with finding a rotation and getting the most out of his players. Buckeye basketball used to be so fun, and it hasn't been in years. I missed that. That's Craig in Sarasota. I do think roster management's an issue. And recruiting only matters in that if it turns into good players, right? Listen, when we do the football stuff, we did a whole thing on the College Football Survivor Show, Shahan and I. We were looking at the programs from three years ago that had top 10 recruiting classes. So in the class of 2020, the guys who were 30-year guys in 2022, you know who had top 10 recruiting classes? Auburn, coaches was fired in between. Florida, coach was fired in between. Texas A&M, everybody's out on Jimbo. Recruiting is not the end goal. Recruiting really matters if you turn them into good players and success. There's a baseline level of recruiting that you probably need to win at the highest level. But good recruiting on its own is not the point of anything. So you're Auburn. Great. Guess what Auburn does in football? They fire their coach who recruited well and couldn't win. That's what happens. Not sure it's a rant. Guess it's easy to be disappointed, angry. Let's fire him about Chris Holtman. But is he really any worse than most Ohio State men's basketball coaches? When you take Fred Taylor and Thad Mata out of the equation, Ohio State has been a B-minus, C-plus program. Eldon Miller never won anything in 10 seasons. Gary Williams won nothing in three seasons, though his teams were entertaining, and he found greatness at Maryland. 
Randy Ayers had two very good seasons, and the program imploded on and off the court once Jim Jackson left. Jim O'Brien had a Cinderella run to the Final Four, then his teams never made it out of the first week of the tournament. He did win two Big Ten titles. People were taken in by Thad's success, thinking that's the norm around here. It's not. Holtman's team scratching out 20 wins, finishing in the middle of the pack of the Big Ten, getting an NCAA tournament win and going home is closer to the norm. I'm not saying this season is acceptable, but Holtman recruited some promising freshmen this season. All of them should be starting the rest of the season, by the way. And it's supposed to have another strong class coming in. I'd give him at least one more season. If it's like this season, then you could ax him. Might want to check his contract for the buyout from the 614. So I don't I don't agree with that. Because like you agree with the history, but I don't think that history matters here. I think things have changed. And when you talk about resources... Sometimes tradition really matters, and obviously tradition helps schools like Kentucky, Kansas, North Carolina, UCLA, right? They have always had it. And what John Wooden did, what James Naismith did, what Adolph Rupp did, what Dean Smith did matters today. But it matters because those schools have put in resources behind them. They established a tradition. It became a thing you put in the resources. It's what Woody Hayes did at Ohio State football. So when you have a coach that establishes a program 50, 60, 70, 80 years ago, and you build on that, yes, those guys matter. They do. But if you don't have a coach who did that 50 or 60 or 70 years ago, I don't think it means that today you should say, well, we're always mediocre. Our good years are blips. This is who we are. No, I disagree with that. I don't think there's any reason Ohio State can't be and should not expect to be in the second tier of college basketball below the blue bloods. Those blue bloods who have tradition and recruiting bases and resources, and we know who they are. It's probably eight to 10, but if Baylor can do it and Houston can do it and Michigan state can do it and Purdue can do it. I know Purdue hasn't made a final four and Gonzaga can do it. If all these programs can do it, then Ohio state can do it. Ohio State can be in the mix. So I do not accept the idea that this is the norm and Thad was a blip. I also don't think it has to be exactly what Thad did. I don't think five Big Ten titles in 13 years is the expectation. But it's also not this. This ain't it. No confidence we can win now and no hope to win in the future with Holtman in charge. I don't understand what's going on here. The Ohio State basketball program has as many resources as most in the country. Holtman has brought in good recruiting classes some years and great others. I watch all these mid-major teams consistently outperform and beat Ohio State in the tournament. It's baffling. We aren't asking for the world. We know this isn't football. A consistent top 25 team that makes the tournament most years, the Sweet 16 every few, and makes a deeper run a couple times a decade. That's not too much to ask. Ohio State has the talent to be better. Ohio State has the resources to be better. I no longer think this coach can do it. What makes it worse is that it looks like Gene Smith backed Ohio State into a corner of keeping Holtman at least one more year with the contract extension. I'm really at a loss for how I feel about this program right now. I know Ohio State won't win now, and Holtman doesn't give us hope for the future. That's from the 614. I think that says it perfectly. He's a nice guy. He's a nice guy. That's not what this discussion is about. And I think at this point, he's had enough time to show who we are. They are in a valley before they hit a peak. I do not think I I do not think they are going to make a change at the end of the season unless they can get Jay Wright to go. I just told you what I think. I go after Jay Wright and big time people now 
in back channels. I'd, I'd start those conversations now in back channels. And if somebody's ready to go, I'd do it. If you can't get a J Wright type of hire now, Holtman gets one more year. It is Sweet 16 or bust. It is compete for a Big Ten title or bust. And then after next season, it's over. I don't care about the extension because this is not acceptable. And so if anybody from the Ohio State basketball program wants to give their two cents on this, I'm not having any more off-the-record conversations. You can come on the podcast anytime. Anybody associated with the Ohio State basketball program can come on this podcast at any time. Chris Holtman, Gene Smith, any player, any coach, I will be fair. I will ask tough questions, but I will be fair. I'm not out to get anybody. I care about one group of people here, and it's Ohio State basketball fans. And this vacation stinks. And it should be better than this. We're not asking for a Hawaiian cruise every year, man. Come on. That's not what people are asking for. No, but you can't go on a Hawaiian cruise every year. You can't. You save up for those. But you should be able to go on a fun trip, jet ski at the lake, get some ice cream. The ice cream melted. The jet ski broke. And it's raining. It's not acceptable. That's our podcast. We appreciate you guys being part of it. We won't do basketball for a while. You can go read more stuff at cleveland.com slash OSU. Be a tech subscriber at 614-350-3315. I love having the tech subscribers, especially at moments like this. Your reactions, your rants, so great. Thank you so much to everybody who sat in. And the surveys really tell us something, really tell us something. I think it is telling the drop off of an enjoyment. Sports should be fun, and right now, Ohio State basketball isn't. Thanks for listening to this. I'm Doug Maurice, and that was Buckeye Talk. Buckeye Talk.